Well, when I was in my 20s, I never went to the doctor. I got any 20-year-olds in here, right, in your 20s? You don't want to go to the doctor. You're like, look, I'm not sick. Why do I need to go to the doctor? Like, it's just, I bet you know what I'm feeling there if you're in your 20s. And then I got in my 30s. Now, listen, I felt good still, but I met Pam, and I decided, you know what? I think I'm going to go and just, I know I'm going to spend my life with this woman. I think I ought to just go get checked out, right? Make sure there isn't anything going on inside of me. Listen, this may sound weird. I think I was basically going to make sure she was getting me at my best, right? Like, she's getting me at my best. I, I Check me out, make sure everything's working fine there. Like, let's just figure this out. I had to get a checkup. I got some shots, right? This doctor convinced me, like, you're going to get tetanus or you're going to give a baby whooping cough. Um, you need the shot. I was like, okay, whoa, I don't want to kill babies. Okay, that's cool. Um, and so I had some blood work drawn. And as a result of that blood work, they discovered that I actually had type 2 diabetes. Didn't know it. I had no idea. That was a gut punch for me. Turns out there was a family history of this. Parents, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. Tell your kids about how sick, sick things that you had going on in your life. Just so they know, hey, this might be you one day. So you need to figure this. There's some family history there. And there were things that I was experiencing, actually, that should have pointed to this some things that were going on to the, in my life. Yet in that moment I was in, I could not believe that I was sick because I felt fine. I thought my, I had my life under control. Sometimes, here's the truth, we don't know we're actually sick. Much like my story, we've all dealt with sickness in our lives. We've all had something going on in our hearts maybe that we didn't realize needed to be healed. And yet, there are signs of this in our lives. There's brokenness in people, right? We've got people who take their own lives out of a feeling of desperation. There's nothing else I can do. We've got young people, okay, hear me, that have, who can't figure out who they are or what they're really meant to do. Hatred in our world is rampant. We've got people who say, if you don't believe what I believe, if you don't vote for my political party, if you don't have my opinion on any number of social issues, or if you don't look like me, then I don't want you around. Violence, war, hunger, disease, right? Listen, this was much like the people who were living in the time when Jesus came, when Mark, this book that we're reading, this gospel of Jesus that we see, when he wrote this gospel, this is a lot of what they were experiencing. And that's what we're talking about in this series. You see, Mark, he presented a narrative of the life of Jesus. He, and for these people, they were dealing with darkness in their lives. They had occupation from the Romans. They were dealing with loneliness. They, were, they had a lack of identity. They had a lack of purpose. This was bad news going on in their life. And when Jesus came on the scene, we get to see that he brings with him good news of a promise that had been made long before. That's why these, these narratives of Jesus' life are called gospels. Gospel is actually defined... In that original, in that Roman language, in that Greek language, right? As like the joy of news, the good news, right? This is good news that Jesus brought with him. 
And so today we are going to see the good news that Jesus brings is that he's ready and willing to heal the darkness and pain in our lives. And then our big idea says this, Jesus forgives sin. Jesus forgives sin. I want us to read a passage of Mark together just to see what we're talking about when we talk about Jesus healing our lives, okay? So we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. If you've got your Bible or a Bible app, you can open that up to Mark chapter 2, or you can open the journal here and, and go to Mark chapter 2. And in this, just before this section of Mark chapter 2, what we find is that Jesus has just called his first disciples. He's called Peter, who at the time was known as Simon, and Andrew, and he's called James and John, two sets of brothers. He's called them to follow him, and, and he's been preaching. He's been sharing that good news we just talked about with people. Remember, good news is that message that Jesus has for people. And the good news that he has is that, he's, that he has come and that he's bringing with him the kingdom of heaven. He is casting out evil spirits now. He is healing people. And people are beginning to know who Jesus is. He's getting a following. And so then he heads back to this town of Capernaum that he was in before. And he stayed with Peter's mother-in-law and Peter and Andrew. And so we're going to pick up this story right in, in chapter 2 here, right at the beginning, if you want to read this with me. And if you don't have a Bible, I want to tell you guys something. We have Bibles available at the Hub. You can pick them up. Those are free to you, okay? We want you to be able to have that. But it says in chapter 2, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Now some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I'm just going to stop there for just a minute because I want, to, I want to focus on something here. This is important because what we see here is that these men brought their friend to be healed, right? Again, Jesus is well known. They know. They've heard, hey, this guy, he's famous, right? He can heal people. And his friends have heard this maybe. These guys, this guy's friends have heard this. Maybe he himself has heard it. This guy who's paralyzed, he can't walk. And he's been saying to them, guys, if I could only get to see Jesus, if I could only see Jesus, then maybe he could heal me. Maybe, maybe it was the friends that pushed him. Right? They said, buddy, you've you got to get there. We've we got to get you to this Jesus guy. Or literally, they carried him, okay? He didn't have much choice. It says he took four of them to carrying him there on the mat. These guys are best friends for this guy. They're carrying him. Maybe you've got someone like this in your life, right? Someone you know will always be there. Someone who will, who will carry the weight to carry your mat, right? To carry you sometimes when you yourself can't go. Right, let's take it a little further because it's important to see what's happening here. Jesus sees this situation. He sees these guys, these five guys, and, and, and he sees belief 
in his power. He sees you believe in this. And, and, and what happens is that Jesus acknowledges all of their faith. It says he saw their faith, right? Not just the one guy, not just the man sitting there paralyzed, but the other men too. These friends, because if they didn't believe in the healing power of Jesus, let me just tell you, if I'm in this situation and I don't believe in the healing power of Jesus, they could have said to the guy, hey, bud, do you see this crowd? I'm not going in there. I can't even get you through the door, man. I'm sorry. We're going to just turn around and try some other thing. But they didn't. It actually says they believed it, and they literally went up the side of this house, which probably had stairs on it, went up to the side of this house, got on top of it, tore a hole in the roof, and dropped this guy down in. They lowered him. I'm sorry. They didn't drop him, man. Like, there you go. <laughs> They're like standing at the top. Hope you can heal him, Jesus. Um, no, they lowered him down. It's beautiful, because what does it show? It shows the power of community. It shows the power of friendship. Could the faith of these guys heal their friend prior to seeing Jesus? Nah, not on their own, right? Not directly, but they helped bring this guy to someone who could. We need people like this in our lives. People who will walk with us, who will hold us up, who will keep us accountable to true faith in Jesus. And we need to be friends like this. Let me just say that to you. We need to be friends like this. We need to challenge each other. We need to be willing to bring people who are close to us in relationship with Jesus. That is important. That is a huge part of this story. And so as an aside today, I just want you to think about this this week. Who are you carrying to Jesus? Who is it? A friend, a family member, who are you carrying? Because, because of their faith and because of their support for each other, Jesus is able to forgive this guy of his sins. Remember, Jesus forgives sin. And that's interesting because this guy and his friends, they didn't come asking for forgiveness of sins, right? What they come for? They wanted physical healing for their friend. And yet Jesus, he's the son of God, he is the king of the universe, knows that what he really needs is for his heart to be healed. Is that this, this sickness, this pain, it was coming from something darker inside of, inside of his heart. He needed to be forgiven of his sins. Some of us get this feeling, and I understand it, okay, where we think that the things that happen in our lives are punishment for our mistakes. And I could stand up here and tell you that God doesn't work that way. God does not work that way. He doesn't put sickness or death or hardship or depression or pain or anything of that sort in our lives because we've messed up. Do you know what does put those in our lives? Sin. Sin puts that in our life. This week, I'm reading this journal that we've got, that we've, that we've been reading through in, in, in Mark, okay? And, and if you don't have one of these journals, listen, it's not too late. You can pick up one of these. They're out in the lobby. We're, we're selling them for six bucks, right? Cheaper than you can get it on Amazon. It's really to cover the cost of us getting it to you, okay? 
We're not making anything on this. We just want to get these in your hands. So it's just a condensed mark for you, okay? And inside of it, though, they add these little excerpts about some of the thoughts coming out of some of these passages. And they're challenging, and they push you, and they, and they bring up new things. And one of them, I was, I was reading this in the journal, and I love what it says here on page 5 about the good news. Look at this. It says, Disobeying God's word always leads to pain and suffering. Thankfully, God doesn't leave people in their pain. As soon as Adam and Eve brought chaos into God's world, into God's good world, God promised to one day make everything right again. Humanity's fall corrupted God's perfect world and brought all of this bad news. But God comes to people with the gospel, the good news, that God has covered believers' sins through the work of Jesus and will one day make all things right through him. I couldn't say it better than that. So I'm not going to try. Because we've messed up. And folks, that sin in our lives, it's got consequences. <coughs> that sin can end marriages. It can break families apart. It can leave us searching for our identity in so many things that will not bring us purpose in this life. And it can leave us feeling physically sick and in pain. Just like this guy. And Jesus says, because you believe in me, your sins are forgiven. Jesus forgives sin. Now this whole idea of forgiving sin doesn't set well with some of the religious elite who are sitting there in, in the presence to hear this with Jesus. It doesn't set well with them. Because the truth is, they came not to, to hear him and support what he's doing. They came to try to catch him in a mistake. They wanted to, to basically debunk Jesus. But read on here in chapter 2. Pick up in verse 6 here. It says, Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. These guys, these Pharisees, these religious elite, right? They had put their whole existence into religion, not faith. And they're pretty upset about what they're seeing. And when I say religion, not faith, I mean that everything that identified them was around following a prescribed set of laws and rules of the Hebrew people. They were so caught up in their way of doing things and their way of finding God that they couldn't accept that Jesus could forgive sins. And even though they didn't say it, Jesus knew 
And so he asks that question, which is easier, right? Which is easier, to forgive his sins or to heal him? And so the interesting thing is it's probably easier if you're Jesus to heal this guy. Why? Because it's obvious. In a situation, you can't verify that someone's sins have actually been forgiven, right? Because we can't see the sin sometimes on a person. Sometimes it's hidden. It's inside of us. We don't get to see that sin just lived out. Yet the physical healing is evident. You were sick, now you're not. You couldn't walk, now you can. And Jesus says, listen, I truly have the authority to heal sin, to heal the root cause of this pain. And there's a result of that sin being removed from your life. Jesus goes on to say, and now you are physically healed. And that is good news, right? Jesus forgives sin. It's good news because before now, the way of healing sin was being taught that you got to follow the rules. you got to do everything right, and if you don't do it right in the right order and follow everything the way that we say, you can't be forgiven. And it was being taught that if you do enough and you give enough, then you can earn God's acceptance and forgiveness. These teachers, these religious people believed not that God could save them, because that's the truth. They don't believe God can save them. Instead, they believed they could save themselves. They, were real, they weren't really waiting for a Savior. They may have said it, we're waiting for the Messiah, but they weren't. We get caught in the same trap. We think if I work harder, then I won't struggle with financial insecurity or difficulty. If I can only lose 20 pounds, then I will feel better about myself as a person. If I can make the right friends, then I might be accepted. If I can express myself in whatever sexual way that I desire, then I can feel loved and be in control of the narrative of my life. If I can follow all of these moral and ethical rules, and maybe I can memorize the Bible, I can be better than others then I'll feel good about my place in eternity. Listen, working harder, losing weight, having friends. Listen, so many of these other things are not bad things. Okay? But they aren't a savior in your life. And this is what Jesus is saying to these people. Only I have authority to forgive sins. And then he heals this guy physically right in front of everybody. He proves his power. And yet those religious elite, they continue to struggle with and understand what good news really looks like that Jesus brings. Because we go on. Go, we're going to go step forward just a little bit more to see another interaction that Jesus has. Look at this. In, in verse 13 of chapter 2, he says, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, 
Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? So what we have here is Jesus walking along. He sees another guy sitting at a tax collecting table. Another sick guy, by the way, but he doesn't know he's sick. And the man is named Levi. Now I'm going to give you a little piece of information. You may know Levi by another name in Scripture. He wrote a gospel of Jesus as well. His name is Matthew. And Matthew is sitting at this table, and Jesus says, follow me, and it says, he got up and followed him immediately. Now, what's important to note here is that Levi, or Matthew, he's a tax collector. He is a Jewish man collecting taxes for the Romans. And most Jewish people would see anyone who collects taxes like this as no better than a thief or a Gentile, which is somebody who's not Jewish, right? These are two groups of people which the Jewish people do not associate with. Because for a tax collector, not only are they taking money for a group of people who is occupying the land of the Jewish people, it's taking their homes, but Matthew was probably doing what most tax collectors did during that time, which was he took more money than he needed so that he could keep some for himself. And yet Jesus calls this guy into relationship with him. I love this story. It's short and, and quick, and yet it says so much. Here's a guy who is an outcast from his own people. Hated, a sinner, and yet Jesus calls him into the most important ministry this world has ever seen. By everyone else's standards, Matthew was not worth Jesus' time. And yet his mistakes and his past and his reliance on his own means did not disqualify him from being part of this amazing kingdom that Jesus brought to earth. Folks, I want you to know that the same is true for you as well, for all of us. There is nothing we can do to separate ourselves from the love of Jesus Christ. And this book of Mark is about showing us that only Jesus has the authority to decide who deserves to be part of the kingdom. Jesus forgives sin. And the next section that we, that we just read shows what Matthew does as a result. And you, maybe, maybe you missed it. It just went past you so fast. The next, what's the next thing that happens? It says, Jesus then is at Matthew's house eating with him. They go to his house, and maybe he was like, let's go to your house, let's eat, let's talk. And what does Matthew do? He starts inviting everyone he knew. He's inviting all these tax-collecting, sinful, terrible friends, terrible by the Jewish means, right? Terrible friends to come over with him. Matthew is excited to have been given this opportunity. And he can't help. I mean, when I look at it, I see him. He can't help but start inviting all of his friends who are just like him with him. He's overcome with gratitude for Jesus, that he believes in him. I just picture him running around saying, you got to meet this guy. He's something else. He's amazing. Man, recently, this huge soccer star... Messi. Yeah, anybody know Messi? Yeah? Uh, he came to Cincinnati to play. Now, I'm going to give you a piece of information. I don't like soccer. Don't watch it. 
Don't, I'd rather watch paint dry. Okay? I'm not saying it's a bad sport, but, you know, whatever. And I heard, I heard all about this guy from people. And the ticket prices for FC Cincinnati just skyrocketed, right? If you had tickets to this game, you could sell them for like $1,000. I was like, man, I would sell those so fast. But I didn't have any because I don't like soccer. <laughs> it's like saying, man, if I'd won the lottery. Yeah, no, you didn't. You didn't play. Um, and people were talking about him for weeks, right? Now, my son, Sam, who just started playing soccer this year, okay? Right? Isn't that crazy? Um, <laughs> He wanted to watch this game. And I'm like, okay, we guess we can. Probably because he heard about this guy from his friends at school. They all wanted their buddies to see the skill this guy possessed. And to listen to this announcer talk about Messi, you would have thought this guy cured cancer, y'all. I mean, it, like that laser beams came out of his eyes somehow, or that he could somehow control physics. Dude, he kicks a ball. Now, admittedly, I will give you, he kicks it probably better than any other guy in the world, but I don't know all the soccer players. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe, like me, this wasn't important to you, okay? Maybe it's something else, though. Maybe it's the craze of a celebrity like Taylor Swift, right? Maybe it's a movie that you saw that was super amazing or a food that you had that was just so good you had to tell people. You want people to know. You go and tell them. Imagine if we spent that same energy and that same time and that same money telling people how great Jesus is. Imagine being like those guys who carried their friend to the house, who climbed on a roof and, and made a hole to lower him down. That was dedication to get their friend to Jesus. What would that look like in our lives if we did the same thing? <clears throat> It would look like inviting them to come with you to church, right? Inviting them to come to a group with you. Asking them to read God's word with you. Why don't you read scripture with me? Maybe, maybe students, hey, students in the room, maybe it's inviting your friend to join you on Sunday nights. Hey, Sunday nights are back. Andy mentioned it. They're back every Sunday at 6 p.m. You ought to be here. You don't want to miss this. It is good. It is community. It is something you bring your friends to. Bring people to hear the good news that Jesus offers. It would be just like what Matthew did, inviting people to your house to, and again, meet Jesus. What he looks like. It would mean being there for people in their hurt and pain. It would be spending time with them, showing them love, and then saying to them, do you, do you know how I deal with what you're dealing with? Do you know what it is that makes me able to say to you that I have hope? It's Jesus. Jesus welcomes everyone into his kingdom. Just like he did with Matthew, he's ready to make a way for them as well. The Pharisees, again, they see this and they say, well, how can this guy claim to, who's the Messiah, right, claim be eating with these awful people? And Jesus addresses them in this moment, too. In verse 17, he says, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Oh, man, I love it. I love that. Jesus is telling them who he's bringing the good news to in this world. And, and the ironic thing about this statement is that he's not, he says, I've not come to call the righteous, 
what Jesus actually means is, I've not come to call the self-righteous. These people who think so highly of themselves that the idea to them of needing a savior is offensive. How can this guy tell me the way to God? They're thinking. See, they wanted to be in control of their own saving. And they truly believed that they could do it themselves. And sometimes we do that as well. We say, I can do it myself. If I work harder, if I do better things, or if I live my life the way that I want to live it, I can save myself. And we don't know we're sick. We don't know we've got pain inside of our hearts. It's, it's corrupted us, and we still aren't aware. The symptoms are there, but we don't know what we really have. And we think we can do it ourselves, and we think, I don't need Jesus to tell me how to live my life. And I'm going to tell you, unfortunately, what Jesus says is he's not here for you. He's here because he came to come for those who are sick. And here's the reality, though. You may not think you need it, but Jesus knows that all of us need a Savior. Amen. That we have all fallen short of what God wanted for our lives. Even those righteous Pharisees, right? He came for them. Probably them even more. You'll notice that Jesus never tells them in these two situations that they need to leave. Y'all need to get out of here. No, just like these other dirty, despicable, nasty sinners who were invited to sit and have fellowship with Jesus, he says, you can stay, but you need to listen. Maybe some of them took it in. Listen, Jesus doesn't force his belief in him or in his path in our lives. He doesn't make us believe. That's where the relationship comes in. That is where faith begins. The good news is that we're all invited. None of us are disqualified. Jesus forgives sin. Listen, today, no matter where you are in your life, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you're not disqualified from being part of Jesus' kingdom. You may be sick. You may not know that you need healing. You may think that it's this physical, this depression, this pain, this anxiety, that those are the things that actually need to be healed. I want you to know that Jesus says it's your heart. That that's where it all comes from. From the sin in your life. And that he loves you so dearly and deeply that he wants to be part of your story. He wants to invite you into the story of his life. He wants you to know the good news that he brings for you. That he came down to live as one of us, to be one of us. And he chose to take the cross and defeat death so that we could have relationship with him. To be forgiven and have eternal life. Maybe you need to take that step today. Maybe you need to accept that. After we take communion here in a minute, we're going to sing a song. And communion is something we do as believers, right? And so if you're not a believer and you're not sure what you think about Jesus, I invite you to just sit in that moment. But if you're thinking about taking that step, if you're ready to follow Jesus, I want you to come down and be prayed over. You've got things going in your life that are struggles that you're having and you want prayer for it. Myself, some of the prayer team will be down front here. We want to lift you up. Maybe you want to choose to follow him. Maybe you do believe. I want you to know that Jesus calls you to spread the good news. Just like Mark does, just like Matthew did, go tell other people. Bring your friends, your family, your coworkers, your classmates. Bring them to hear the good news. That's, that's what should be happening. Jesus wants to show up in your life. He wants to heal you. 
but he wants to heal your heart so that he can heal your body and your soul. Come let Jesus forgive your sins. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you sent him to die for us, that you've made a way for us to have eternal life with you through the sacrifice of your son. Today, Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone in this room that is struggling with where they are, that they feel disqualified, that they feel left out, that they feel like they can't be in the kingdom because of what the mistakes they've made, that you would cast out those ideas from their mind, Lord, and that they would realize that you love them as a son or daughter. We love you, Lord, and we can pray these things and, and believe these things only because of your precious son. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.